Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, everybody! Welcome again. So glad you're with us. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome all of our physical locations and those joining us online. Uh, welcome. We are in a series called Joy. We're studying Philippians. What a great book. Uh, and uh, to go through during this holiday season as it fast approaches. And really, we just want to inject God's truth about what it really means to not just be happy, uh, but to have everlasting joy in your life. So that's what this is about. Last week, we started the series. Week one was last week. And really, the constant theme, I gave a lot of context, but the constant theme of Philippians is joy. It's rejoicing. Uh, and we see Paul in week one rejoicing in prison. And really what we see is, is how do we discover joy? There's some different keys, some different factors. Uh, but last week, what the scriptures were telling us as we walked through it verse by verse is that prayer and living a life of prayer is really how we walk in a life of joy. So, so that, that was last week. Got to go back and, and catch it if, if you missed it. Uh, today we'll go, uh, we'll, we'll hit it from a different angle. But we also had a, a moment of joy last week. And we're going to do this every week, have a, have a joy moment. Last week we blessed some families uh, who have some needs as we approach the holiday season. Wasn't that amazing? Come on. Wasn't that so good? Uh, today I got another joy moment for you. And I want everybody at every physical location, if you're at home, I, I don't know, go, go look. Uh, in your cupboard, but uh, for every physical case, I want you to go under your seat and see if there's a gift card or some cash. Come off somebody. And uh, here's what we want to do. If you need this, then it's yours. Be blessed. But if you don't, uh, or maybe even if you do uh, need it, I want you this week to go find somebody and sow that seed. Uh, we're blessed to be a blessing. And part of experiencing joy is the joy of giving. And so again, if you need it, take it. Uh, if you don't, uh, go give it away uh, today or this week. Does that sound good? Come on, let's give God a praise for a joy moment. All right, so uh, week two, the question for you, have you ever had something available to you, but you didn't realize it? Uh, I, uh, several years ago, before we started the church, uh, we were under this insurance, I guess right maybe as, as we started, I don't really remember, but we had this HSA account. This is a health savings account and there was $3,000 in it. And uh, I didn't understand it wasn't aware. I didn't even know we had it. And uh, it got to the end of it where they were switching insurances and um, I was talking to my coworker and basically he had all these new cool prescription glasses and all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, how'd you get all this stuff? He's like, well, they were changing insurances and our HSA was running out and I just, I had to use it. And he had all this health stuff and I didn't have anything. I don't appreciate you laughing about that. And I basically wasted all this money, free money, because I didn't know it was available to me. Oh, there's a spiritual principle here. Because the reality is, is joy 
is available right now. It is available to you right now. And many, unfortunately, are waiting for something to happen for joy to arrive in their life. But you're doing something wrong if that's the case. Psalms 118.24 says this, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, if you don't rejoice today, you may not experience joy today. So if you're thinking I'll be joyful after I finish my degree, when I get married, when my marriage ends, when I get that job or that promotion, when I have kids, when the kids leave, when I meet somebody, if you're waiting for joy, something is wrong. Paul wrote about joy while chained in a prison. If you're going to wait for your conditions to be perfect, then you will never experience true joy. I've noticed oftentimes it is the people uh, who are in the most pain, who find the most joy, or, and this is where I'm going today, those who are immersed in their purpose have the most joy. Whenever you're starting a business, a ministry, a work, uh, you're, you're starting a project, it comes with a lot of trials, challenges, twists and turns, ups and downs. Well, you'd agree with that, right? I mean, basic principles of resistance, okay? Uh, but when you begin to walk in what you were made to walk in, do what you were made to do, something electric just hits you. It's like you're, you got hit with holy lightning, you know? It's like, man, I'm alive. And feeling that way produces real joy in your life. When you are living in your purpose or mission, Here's what happens. Your threshold for pain increases, okay? And anytime you experience any sort of success, uh, the pleasure and that joy, it, it becomes all the more precious. Um, so I wanna, I wanna preach a message today, it, right along with the scriptures. Uh, I'm a missionary here. Oh, you didn't say amen to that. that that's the title today. I'm a missionary here. And what that means is, is I'm on purpose, no matter the problem. And when I live that way, I experience true joy. All right, so here's what we know. And, and we're gonna get to the scriptures, but I wanna set it up. True joy is a result of a purposeful life with Jesus at the center of it. We know this because true joy is neither fleeting or fragile. It can hold up in prison. Uh, before I get to the scriptures, I want to kind of parallel sin versus joy. Okay, and the contrast it. Um, parallel contrast. I think that works. Uh, sin can make you happy in the moment. Would you agree? Uh, at least that's what it claims. Okay, no one would pay any attention to sin if sin revealed itself for what it really is, a defective good. Sin will ultimately always disappoint. It can bring happiness for a moment, a day, a week, a season. For instance, a lie might get you out of trouble in the moment. Violating your marriage vows might put you in a momentary place of pleasure, but it's a facade of lust. 
that doesn't last. Sin has consequences. Paul writes later in Romans, he writes uh, that the, the wages, maybe not later, but he writes the wages of sin is death. In other words, the account, the, the result, sin always has consequences. But so does choosing joy. And, and when I say consequences, of course, there's a result to each. Um, joy, now listen to this, joy is often a byproduct of your relationship with God and the purpose you experience in God. So uh, I want to be clear about something. Joy is not something you seek. God is who you seek. Joy is something we get from a choice we make. Man, that's good. Okay. Um, joy is not something we seek. God is who we seek. Joy is something we experience based on a decision we make. Okay. Um, if you seek joy directly, it's elusive. Okay, it's, it's not just the Bible that says this. The, the idea of hedonism is the aggressive pursuit of pleasure. And it's been proven over and over again to not work. If you seek pleasure for pleasure's sake, if you make it your end, it's an elusive goal and it fails to satisfy. Okay, the goal of life, the center, the bullseye, the aim is God, not joy, not happiness, not pleasure. I love my country. I love our founding documents. We say we're on a pursuit of happiness. Well, in theory, it makes sense. And there's some other things connected to that. But at the end of the day, there is a spiritual principle that overrides that. That's more valuable than that. I'm in the pursuit of God, uh, not happiness. It's why many people write that marriage is not really about your happiness. It's about your holiness. As you become more holy, you become more compatible. And then joy is found and longevity is found. Okay, so um, I, I wanted to set us up with that so, so you understand that, that, that joy is not what we seek. God is what we seek. Sin, even happiness, it's fleeting. Joy lasts, but it's found in some purpose. That's where we're gonna go today. I'm gonna read Philippians 1, 12 through 30. And basically the theme of this is Paul's chains advance the gospel. In other words, pain uh, helps us find our purpose. And that's hard to accept. But verse 12 says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Okay, uh, what's happened to me? You mean prison? That's what we're talking about. And so that's tough selling point, especially when I think of Ephesians where Paul writes that we're his workmanship. Well, did you create me and craft me before I was even in my mother's womb to end up on a mission strip in prison? This is, this is hard to wrestle with sometimes. So some of us don't like uh, reading the Old Testament even because there's things in there that's like, whoa, 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 God, whoa, whoa. And that's fair. You got to study it. But there's always a purpose uh, woven through the tapestry of God's ideas and plans. And when it comes to Paul being in prison, it's actually to advance the purpose of the gospel. 
The reason that Paul can find joy here is because he's seeing himself in this awful situation as a missionary there. We have to ask the hard question. Did God send him to prison? Now, I'll get to that at the end of the message, but I want you to begin to wrestle with that in your mind. Um, is it punishment? Is it rebellion? Or was there something greater at play? And, and as you contemplate your struggles in this life, you, you've got you, you've to wrestle with the idea that, man, especially if I'm doing all that I can do and things are still challenging, I might have a choice to make to pursue God so that I can experience joy despite my circumstances. So Paul writes in 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Look at all that's happening here. See, the result of Paul's discomfort, his struggle, his suffering, it's, it's real. But Paul's got a missionary mindset. He's got a purpose mindset. And what it's doing is, is it's spurring on others who've been sitting on the sidelines to get in the game. See, I think um, a lot of times we find ourselves in unfavorable and unpleasant circumstances. And then we hyper-focus on those things and we zone into those things. And I think a lot of times the greatest stories, the greatest testimonies, the greatest experiences, the greatest victories, the most joy is experienced when you reframe your trouble. This is what Paul's doing because the prison is the place we mourn, complain, wait, cry out for deliverance. It's not the place we go and convert or encourage people. A lot of times, see, in, in our own natural, whatever, it's like, okay, I'm in this awful situation. I've got this disease. I'm sick. Uh, I've, 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 I've got this trouble, this financial trouble. I've lost the job. I, I, I've got a, a marriage in a mess. And I mean, it'll go on and on and on, whatever it is. And I'm in transition. And, and we, we say to ourselves, well, surely this isn't the moment where God uses me. Surely this isn't the moment where I can be an encouragement to others. Surely this, is, this moment is about my trouble. But Paul is like, well, I'm here. I'm a missionary here. And there's just this little joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Right? And, and he finds a way. He finds a way to advance the gospel in prison, in pain, in problem, facing trial. My man is gaining influence with the palace guard while he's in chains. It's really powerful when you think about it. And it should be really convicting the next time or if you're in trouble that God can still use you and you can still find purpose 
in the pain. You may not be where you thought you'd be, but you're right where God knew you'd be. Ponder that. I'm a missionary here. Verse 15, it says, is it true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill? The, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for a while I'm in chains. But what does it matter, he says? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So what's happening is, is while he's in prison, while he's awaiting trial, while he's not out and about, there are a group of preachers who were glad Paul was in prison. <laughs> People have been territorial since day one, guys. They're, they're, they're jealous. They want control. Uh, they want influence. And Paul's imprisonment gave them opportunities to build their own kingdom. But Paul isn't scared of them. He's not intimidated. He's confident. He's glad, in fact, that Christ is preached. He's basically saying, look, the Holy Spirit's going to do the arranging. Paul has a kingdom perspective, not an empire perspective. So he's like, even if their motives are wrong, money, greed, power, pride, if God's kingdom is built, then praise God. So I want to say this so that I can instruct our church. Um, I, I think there's a, there's a balance here. There's a fine line, uh, you know. We got to be careful not to be quick to, to judge and tear down other ministries uh, that, are, that are doing kingdom work. Now, I think when someone is being heretical and someone is um, pushing uh, problematic doctrine or promoting people that are decaying society, there's no problem in us lovingly bringing correction and awareness to that. But some of us don't like a style of somebody's ministry uh, and then we're quick to cut them down, throw them out. Get over yourself. That's pride. We're one team and we're trying to advance the gospel. So Paul goes, yes, I'll continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, I covered this in week one, who he's writing to. I, I, I don't have to, you gotta go back. I can't get into all that. But what we see here is the word deliverance and that means salvation. In other words, no matter what happens, you can't take Jesus from me. So I continue to rejoice. I'll continue to rejoice if I'm in prison or out of it. My joy is not contingent on what happens to me or what kind of situation I find myself in. And I think this is important here because, again, um, th this, is a, this is a real litmus test to your love for Jesus. Is he enough? If this isn't the, the perfect scenario you wished for, maybe you live here and you wish you didn't, but God's got you here. Maybe you're in this church and it's not what you're used to and Maybe you're just going through a myriad of scenarios or circumstances and it's just not what you thought. And a good question for us in the midst of these things and, and separating 
toxicity and abuse and bad theology, separating some of that, is, is Jesus enough? Is he enough for you? I think sometimes Jesus is enough when all of our circumstances complement that. And look, it's a struggle we all wrestle with. But I think this moment is, is really making it clear that like we can't really experience the fullness of joy that's promised to us in our faith, the peace that surpasses all understanding uh, until Christ is really like our main hope, our main anchor for our soul and what we are pursuing. Conditions may not be perfect, but we've got an aim. We've got a goal. We've got a pursuit. And, and when, we, when we catch the face of Jesus in our life, then from that, we experience the goodness of God, joy, and peace. This is what Paul's illuminating. He says in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. So he's about to set us up. Um, basically, he's, he's saying, I, I don't set my sights on being out of prison. This is a lesson for us. He sets his sights on having courage to stay on mission. I love this. Because many times we counsel and people are always looking for a way out and God's way is often the way through. This is what Paul is saying. Uh, I know many of us are looking for a way out of, out of jobs, relationships, situations. I, I personally remember being in an awful situation in Illinois before we came here. Uh, my wife and I were youth pastors at, at this church. We were over all of their nine campuses of youth ministry. And, and in, the, in the very beginning, in the very beginning of our journey there, the pastor cheated on his wife, the, the lead pastor, and it, the church erupted in chaos. And, and someone who was newly married, we had just gotten married. I was like, man, this is, this is an awful situation. And I remember for the first couple months, I was like, man, I got to get out of here. I got to get my, my, my new bride out of here. I got to get into a little bit of a healthy spot. But I really felt the Lord being like, I really want to teach you something through this. I really want to show you some things through this. You need to put on your, your missionary mindset because, and I, I remember this, what you're going through right now, it's kind of a momentary struggle. But this is nothing compared to some of the challenges you're going to face in the next season, which of course the next season was planting a church here. And I'm so glad we hung around for as long as we did. And there was a clear out point. But I, I remember during that time, so many amazing, awesome things took place in our life because we stayed. We, we stayed to the point of obedience, but I had to stop obsessing with getting out and I had to start focusing on going through. It's a missionary mindset. I'm, I'm a missionary wherever I am and the, the circumstances, the location, the, 
The people may change, but the mission doesn't. And if you ever find yourself not knowing what to do, not knowing where to go, a lot of times God hasn't been clear with your next step. You got to just keep doing the last thing that God asked you. And if you're ever confused, here's the mission. Hasn't changed in 2,000 years, by the way. Okay? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, be there. Lead somebody to Christ. Build God's church. Like, if you're ever confused, get off your hiney. Make a difference. And in that purpose... In that pain, you will find purpose. And because of that purpose, you will find and experience some joy that's promised to you, believer. All right. Um, Got to move here. Verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Look, the number one human fear is death. But Paul has an interesting perspective on death. He's like, look, this is a win-win. If I die, well, I get out of prison and I go be with Jesus. But if I stay... I'm also winning because I get to encourage you. Man, like that's where his peace and joy comes from. He's like, I'm good, yo. Like, I'm good. I'm good. You can kill me. You can hurt me. You can take my body. You can take my clothes. You can take my money. You can take my stuff. But like at the end of the day, if I die, I'm with Jesus. I win. If I'm here, I just keep writing and blessing. And if I get out and I'll go to you and all this different stuff is like, man, God, help us have this kind of perspective on living. Who's in front of you? If God's going to keep you here, who are you meant to help in their progress? Family, neighbors, coworkers, your church. You got a purpose. You might as well live in it. And then he says this, and I want to close. He says in verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. I love this because Paul's like, man, the the proof... Of, of my life, like my legacy is that you grow in your faith. I love that. Don't let earthly nonsense derail your courage. Don't you, let your current situation derail your mission. He says this, he says, I forgot about this part. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Guys, we, 
we can't get around suffering in Christianity. It just it doesn't happen. That that's part of suffering is like, all right, well, like if I don't, all right, you remember during the pandemic, you remember this? Um, it was like, man, this is, you know, we're locked down, we're shut down, you're wiping your groceries off and weird things. And it's like, man, this is awful. <laughs> but then like we would joke and go, I can still order a pizza. You know, like it, it was bad, but like, and I'm not saying people didn't hurt and die and pain. I'm just saying like, life is full of twists and turns and struggles. And, and like some things we make greater than they are and other things, they really are awful. But, but suffering in and for Christ it really actually grows our faith. You know, there's believers all over the world from Iran to China and other anti-Christian nations that like at the end of the day, man, we're kind of just chilling. We're not really pressed for our faith like, like some folks are. People are getting martyred, killed for their faith, imprisoned for their faith. And maybe that happens one day. Uh, here in, in the United States. And if you're around the world and, and you're watching this, maybe you know more what I'm, what I'm talking about. But, but here's the point. There, there's two kinds of suffering. There's God-appointed suffering. And that suffering brings faithful believers into deeper understanding and relationship with God. We can use Job as an example, other, other things. Believers suffer as a testament of faith to others. Hebrews 11. God allows people to suffer so they will turn to him in repentance and not perish for eternity. See in Luke. So that there's God-appointed suffering. And if you ever go through it, do not be mad at God. Find purpose in it. You'll find joy in it. God will use it. It will be part of your testimony and it will impact lives. There's also self-inflicted suffering. If, if you don't pay your mortgage, because you bought the newest iPhone, like that would be self-inflicted suffering. I call that stupid suffering. You have estranged relationships because you don't apply Matthew 18, conflict resolution, right? You got suffering that is self-inflicted. You, you end up in jail for a DUI, self-inflicted suffering. Okay, mature believers know the difference. I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself sometimes, okay, is this my fault? Or like, is God using this in this moment? And, and when we say God appointed, I wouldn't say that God maybe causes all the things, but God may allow certain things. Because a lot of times what we're doing is, is it's, it's kind of like this. It's like God's got this, we, we see God kind of like with this cookie in his hand. And, and, and we're, we're chasing what's in God's hands. But I think what God does sometimes is he moves the cook, cookie to in front of his face so that we, we keep coming close to him. And then maybe through the midst of struggle and pain, he removes that cookie, if you will, so that you're face to face with him. So that you're not chasing the blessing and the benefit. The conditions aren't perfect. It's like you and God face to face. He's your pursuit. He's your aim. He's your love. And when you get that face to face with God, all the other stuff begins to fade away, even in the midst of pain. It's where we find joy.
Romans 5, 2 through 5, it says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we are also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Those who know Christ can rejoice even in prison. Because as Jesus says in Luke 10, 20, their names are written in the book of life. As I close, I remember a missionary came to my church when I was, I think maybe in high school. And it was like this missionary event where all these missionaries were there from around the world. And I remember him saying this. He said, I don't remember God ever calling me. I just volunteered. <laughs> I thought that was so interesting. It just stuck with me. And I remember saying to God, all right, I'll volunteer. I feel the call of God on my life, but do not, God, make me a missionary. Please. A few years ago, as we've been planting and living this life in Philadelphia, some very unfavorable scenarios and circumstances have been a part of this journey of planting this church. And I often feel and sense God bringing me back to that moment when that missionary said that and God basically going, hey, I got you, man. You're a missionary here. And honestly, I wouldn't trade it for a thing. I'm a missionary here. And whether the scenarios are unfavorable or problematic or challenging, or I've got purpose. And my threshold for pain is strong. It's increased because I have purpose. But when God does great things and we hear great stories and Man, the rejoicing and the joy is all the more beautiful because I know it was only him. I can sit here and say, I, in the midst of very unfavorable scenarios many times, I feel and sense deep down, I got that joy, joy, joy down in my heart because I got purpose. Because I'm just here to advance the gospel. And the question is, what about you? And at every location, I want you to stand to your feet. Nobody moving. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Nobody moving. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Please, at every location, stay put because we're going to do something after the salvation. So stay put. I'll ask you the, this question today. Are you far from Jesus? Do you not have a relationship with Jesus? Maybe at one point you did, but you just don't anymore. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you've never invited this beautiful, loving God into your life. If that's you and you hear my voice at every location, man, today's the day to respond. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to receive your joy. So if that's you and you hear my voice, you need to get right with God or begin a journey with God. You're saying, today's the day I want to know God. Would you slip your hand up at every location right now? Right now. Thank you. Thank you. I know hands are going up at every location saying, I want to know Jesus. I need to be right with God. Come on, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. If you're at home online, please let us know. 
we want to pray for you. In fact, our whole church is going to pray this prayer right now out loud to encourage you. Come on, let's say it. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for suffering for me. Today, I need you. And I invite you to be my personal Savior. Forgive me of my sin and raise me to new life like you were raised. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we believed you are saved. Your best days are ahead. It may not get easier, but it's gonna get better. Let's give God a shout of praise today. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.